Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Your commitment to God naturally will result in your commitment to the life of others. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. Second Corinthians 10, 10 verses 4. It says, we use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. I'll take it again. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Five says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture every rebellious thought and teach them to obey Christ. And whether you like it or not, there are things that are fighting against your wanting to know God. Praise God. And, and I think last week, I'll just do this very quickly, and it's amazing that I think the progression still works. Last week, when the man of God was teaching, towards the end of the the teaching, I just heard um, the words just kept coming to me. Words just kept coming to me, and I it was was very. I just brought on my phone and quickly recorded the words and the words to a song. It says, "I am led by the one who goes before me, by the one who walks beside me, by the one who lives within me." And I will, I will, I'm singing it, and I want you to declare that to yourself, that I am led by the one who goes before me, by the one who walks beside me, by the one who lives within me. Amen, amen, amen. So we will continue. I think, yeah, this is one, two, three. So we're just going to continue. And the topic, if you're writing, is my commitment to imitating God. My commitment to imitating God. My commitment to imitating God. So we've done this on the Sunday previously. We've done this on the midweek service. And this is the third part. And we're still looking at Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. As well-behaved children imitate their father, walk in love, esteeming and delighting in one another as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a slain offering and sacrifice to God for you so that it became a sweet fragrance. The NLT says imitate God, therefore in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life full of love, following the example of Christ, 
He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Praise God. Imitating God. In all of this, what God is calling us to is to look like him, act like him, and also smell like him. Praise God. And it says pleasing aroma. Praise God. And it might, you know, some of us will think all we want, but, but understand that God wants us to act like his children. We are his children. He wants us to do likewise. He wants us to, to look like him. Let people see him and not see the world. Praise God. He wants us to see, want people to see him and see him through us. He wants people to see him through us. And 1 Corinthians 11 verses 1, as I spoke the last time, it's in Amplified, it says, pattern yourselves after me. That's Apostle Paul speaking. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. Follow my examples, example as I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah. It means Christ is our standard. We're not imitating man, except the man is imitating God. We are allowed to, and we see that scattered around scripture. So I'll just quickly go through what we did on previous, just some form of a recap. And the first point we talked about is imitation is necessary for growth. The first point for those that probably were not around in the midweek service, we, where we talked about this in more detail, is that the first imitation is necessary for growth. And we looked at Matthew 4 verses 19. Matthew 4 verses 19 from the King James. It says, then he said to them, this is Jesus Christ speaking to Simon, Peter, and his brother, Andrew. This was when he started his ministry. This was when he was picking his disciples. He says, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The first, this particular passage just sums up everything about what we as believers are called to do. First and foremost, we start off by following Christ. Praise God. We start off by following Christ. We don't follow the world and then become his disciples. We follow Christ, then he makes us. Praise God. We don't follow the world and then be made disciples. Because we are not patterning ourselves with the world. And if the passage we read in 2 Corinthians, we are actually pulling or taking out the world from us. Praise God. Some way, somehow. You might not know it, but something or someone is influencing you. And we want that influence to be good. And the only way an influence will be good is when the source is God. And if a person is not following God and you're following that person, directly or indirectly, you're influenced by something else or someone else. And, and, and teachings and upon teachings have come through and we understand that the light of God's word is what shines on us when we posture and position ourselves to allow his light shine in and through our lives. If not, what you have is darkness. And if you think that what you have is the light when it's darkness, as we were taught, it says, oh, what great darkness you have. It's, you're deluding yourself. Praise God. So he says, follow me and I will make you. And every time I come to, I will make you. Or any time I think of, I will make you. I'm reminded of 
a parable that we're familiar with. And that parable, we see it, I think we've taught once on that subject in Luke 15. I want us to go to Luke 15 verses 19. We're very much familiar with Luke 15 because it speaks about things that were lost, several things that are lost. And in 15, we're not going to do too much. The New King James, thank you so much. It says, and I no long, I, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the son that left his father, that started off by telling his father to give him. In verses 11, we see that the son said, give me, and went away. He feels disconnecting himself from his father will be the will give him pleasure. He will enjoy away from his father. And, and this is him. This is him coming to go back to 19. This is him having wasted all the resource and he needs now the source. And he comes to that point where he understands that he has to come 15. I want you to go to 15. 15 shows the process by which he got to that point. He says, uh, 17, sorry. 17. Yeah, 17 said, but when he came to himself, praise God, he came to himself, other translation will say he came to his senses. And he now knew that the way to get out of this mess that he found himself in or, or that he got himself into is by coming to that place where he wants to be made into something other than what he was. Praise God. And making is a process. Making is a process. The point of this is that it takes time to be made. And the people that Jesus Christ was speaking to were fishermen, right? Were fishermen. For them to do the trade they did, you don't just go and start fishing and know how to fish. It takes commitment. It takes commitment. And that's, the, that's what we're going to talk a lot about in today's service. It takes commitment. There are no profession. <laughs> I don't think there's any profession that is easy. And, and just thinking about the way God does the things he does, he, he trains you even when you don't know you're being trained. And then when you come into him, you, you, you translate whatever commitment you had doing something else into what he wants you to do for him. Praise God. Moses would have spent all his time in the wilderness with the flocks, not knowing that the same wilderness he was moving around, he's going to take God's children right through. Now, doing it with human beings, not the animals. And then, you, you, there's several examples cut around in scripture, but these fishermen would have been fishing all their lives, but it comes a point in time where the master calls out to them to follow him, and he will make them into something different from what they are used to. But the principles they would have probably applied, that would have applied to their fishing, the patience it will require will still apply to this new kingdom he has called them into. He says, and I will make you fishers of men. It's interesting how he tells them, you are no longer going to fish for fish, but you will fish for men. And therein lies his call to them. The process he will take them to and what they will become. 
Praise God. The call is to follow. The process is to be made. And that is discipleship. And the end goal is that these men become fishers of men. The same way they were fished for is the same way they will fish others into the kingdom they were brought into. And during the midweek service, I taught us that the call is where you make the decision, right? Is you choose to either take the call and it's a head level, this is a decision you make at your head level to follow. And once you have followed, you, you, you now have to get to the point because to be made, it's a hard work. To be made into something other than what you're used to, it's, it takes transformation. And when we talk about transformation, as beautiful as or as gruesome as it's possible will be or it is, it's a thing of the heart. There has to be commitment. There has to be commitment. And it's in here he does the work of transforming lives. And fishers of men, to fish, it's a work that you do with your hand. You don't fish in your mind. You don't sit in your house and imagine yourself fishing. Yes, you can fish in your mind, but you, you wouldn't, the problem with that is that you will not have fish. The fish will just be there. You might be looking at it in your mind. That's it. Manogo told us that you can actually bear your mind. You can be in places, right? You can go to places. You can be fishing right now while the service is going on. Some people are fishing. They're doing some fishing of some sort, looking around. And understand that fishing or doing this thing requires commitment. Praise God. It requires commitment. So we say this, the head, the heart, and the head is one level. You can convince somebody about something very quickly, but to ensure that when you leave, that person continues what exactly you've convinced them of, it has to get to the heart. Doing the work is very easy. Doing the work is very easy. I can convince you of something you are not aware of. You have to see, you have to at least have some understanding of it to be convinced of it. People sell people stuff. The way they sell it is by convincing you that this thing will do stuff that you need. And then when you buy into it, you can now sell to others. Praise God. And really, there's no better way. In fact, this if you ask me what marketing is, this is marketing in itself if you're a business person. But know that this product is a, a product that is eternal. It's not a product that has expiring date. It's not a product that can go out of market. And as believers, we need to understand that. And for some people here, you're just a follower. Praise God. You're just following. It has not got into your heart. In the church, we're, we're reading a book for this month. What's the title of the book? Just so we check. Okay, sounding more from this side. Choir, thank you. Yes. So, so this part of the church. So it's how to book on personal disciple evangelism. So it's not discipleship. It's still thing. So the goal is that you get to the point 
where it's in your heart. I'm going ahead of myself. But in the a part in the book says, if you care, you will share, right? If you care enough for the people that are lost, you definitely be committed to sharing. And your commitment to God will mean that, because scripture tells us you will should love the Lord, Matthew 22, with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And they say the second is as the, love your neighbor as yourself. So Philippians 2 verses 12. Thank you. Give me the NLT. So it says, dear friends, you always follow you, you, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God in deep reverence and fear. And then 13. 13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Praise God. So we see a synergy between us God. Know that it's God working in us to do the things, but we need also to work hard in our commitment. Praise God. We need to work hard in our commitment. It takes us to imitation requires commitment. Imitation requires commitment. And commitment is simply your willingness to give yourself, to dedicate yourself, to dedicate your time, yourself meaning your time, your energy, and everything to this God that you said you are surrendered to. Praise God. And as I said when I was speaking the last time, I said commitment is consistent. Commitment is only consistent when it's motivated by choice, not by emotions. For some of us, we come to church when we feel like it. Or we read our Bibles when we feel like it. Or we follow the canonical when we feel like it. Or we choose not to because we don't feel like it. Or we read the book of the month when we feel like it. But understand that that way you wouldn't grow as God's child. You won't grow as his disciple. Because whether you like it or not, the moment you said yes to God, you became his disciple. And what it means is that you need to allow his spirit walk in you to make you do the things that will please him. Because you're not living for yourself anymore. The day you said yes to him, you died to yourself. Some of us fail to put that in perspective. You still feel that because you said yes, you can't see God, so you just leave. No. Praise God. And the devil is not even afraid of an uncommitted Christian. He's not scared because you can do fine by yourself. He doesn't need to work on you because you're worked on already. Praise God. And for most of us, what makes commitment difficult is that you really, your introduction to commitment is when you came to Christ. Not, you don't understand what commitment, you naturally are not committed to anything. You're not a fisherman, you, know, you don't have any flock, so you don't really understand what it means to follow things that don't want to even listen to you in the first place. You don't know, how, you don't know what it feels like to, to go out not knowing what to expect, and then you probably would throw your net. You go there in the night. You try. It doesn't work. You still come back the next day. Even when you didn't catch anything the day before. You still do the same thing over and over again. And that requires a level of patience. 
<laughs> that you 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 can't manufacture praise god and for us as believers our decision to make our decision to make christ the center of our lives makes us lose every sense of we don't have control because he now is lord of our lives he's the lord of your life so you don't do what you feel like doing you do what he instructs you to do that's why it says imitate him as his dearly beloved children children don't decide to do whatever it is they want to do because if they decide to do whatever it is they want to do will destroy them praise god so let's understand that commitment also as i've said before cannot be manufactured it comes from a genuine relationship with god and a desire to serve him and the people that he loves as well your desire to be committed will mean that you're you're serving god and serving also the people that he loves if you're committed to god and you're struggling to serve the people that he loves there's a question mark on what you call commitment it means that we need to take a step back as to ask ourselves whether you truly understand whether your understanding of commitment is at the head level or the heart level and we live is at the heart level you will have to work it out you'll have to do it praise god and as i've said before it's not just showing up on a sunday commitment means that you shift from yourself to others you're not selfish you're selfless because the one who called you didn't think of himself if if there's any example of commitment we see it in the life of christ if you are you don't have and that's why he's the example the example is him and he beautifully does this in a passage of scripture because these disciples were called they followed and now they are fishers of men and i want to see this in the scripture in john 13 let's read 1 to 5 john 13 1 to 5 i want us to look at this very closely before passover before the passover celebration yeah before the passover celebration jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end he loved them to the very end it was the time of supper and the devil was already had already prompted judas son of simon iscariot to betray jesus jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from god and will return to god i want you to understand that it starts off with the love he has for the disciples the love he has for the disciples and then we see judas iscariot he still loved him even though he knew what he was going to do to him and it just brings our attention because we say imitating god some of us are very comfortable loving the people that love us back but god's word challenges us to express love even to the people that spite us even the people that hurt us we see it scattered through scripture praise god 
Because Christ sets the example for us. He knew he was going to betray him, but he still allowed him anyway because that was, that was part of the plan. Praise God. And then we said, he talks about, just take us back to three. He says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and will return to God. Knowing that where he is is not where the disciples are, right? In verses four, he now, he, he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, and guess what he continues to do? And poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Just wait, just stop there. This is our Lord, the one that has authority over everything. God, right? And knowing he, did, he, he, he knew who he was. Scripture tells us that he knew who he was, but here's what he does, knowing who he was. Praise God. And if there's anything, he challenges us to do likewise. Let's go to verses 12. 12. Verse 12 of the same 13. So it says, after washing their feet, I skipped the, what happened between him and Peter. After washing their feet, he put on the robes again and sat and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? He asked them, do you understand what I was doing? 13. says, you call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that is what I am. Praise God. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. 16. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is a messenger than more important than the one who sends the message. Then 17, the last. Now to you, now that you know this, these things, God will bless you for doing them. Praise God. We see God in the person of Christ Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And he did that to paint a very vivid picture. And, and Peter understood that, no, 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 you can't, like, you can't, you can't do this. If you had showed up into that meeting, praise God, if you had walked into that meeting and saw what was going on, your thought would be that that should be the servant, right? Because if you showed up in the, like, if you came, just showed up in the meeting, what you would just find out is, Jesus Christ is. And if you had left from that meeting, what you would have left with is the fact that, okay, this person is the slave of the people that you met in that, in that space. Meaning that 
You can only get the full picture by sitting down. This is to those of us that are very quick to conclude. You show up, you don't, you don't know what the message is. You just look, observe, and conclude. No one, no one spoke, but you understood from just observation. Praise God. That will not leave you with the point that is being made. Christ did that and explains that he did that for them to see and to know or to do likewise to others. And he was not saying literally washing the feet. He's saying that even though he is here, he went, as, he went low to the point of washing their feet. So it means that you as God's child should not see yourself too high to come low to meet the needs of others. So it means that if you, he, he instructs you to go and make disciples, no one is too little for you to interact with for the kingdom. Praise God. And he rounds it off by saying that God will bless you for doing. Means that our actions are what produces the results. There is a blessing of being his child, but there is a blessing of doing his will. There's a blessing for obeying. And many of us are so committed to the very normal, like showing up, doing all of those things. But commitment goes beyond showing up. Commitment is a hard work. Commitment is something that requires everything of you. You see, it's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And I will ask you this question first and foremost, because as a disciple, you, you first and foremost need to know him. And I can't I can't say for everyone here that we know him. Because when we show up on the Sunday, everybody comes and I will say this, we only have children of God, we don't have grandchildren of God, right? We don't have grand, you don't, because your parents are Christians, it doesn't pass down to you. I just want, wanted to just say that so that someone doesn't leave with an impression because you came to church, you so happen to be a Christian. And we have people that have been in church for so long and they have not called to question, why am I not committed to discipleship? Why is it that every time I show up in church, I'm not concerned about what is said even when I'm instructed to come with a book. Get a walking pen. But next Sunday, you still show up without a book, without a walking pen. And then if they say, how many disciples do we have? How many of God's children do we have in the house? You will raise your hands. And I get, I'm just wondering what the Spirit of God will be doing. Looking, just, it's like he must be joking. And it's not just writing down these things. It's committing them to your heart. But at least if you have a note... <laughs> you, at least you have something to commit to heart. When the Holy Spirit prompts you or when you are following the instruction given to you to follow up on what has been taught. Praise God. So I leave you with this couple of questions. Do you really know him? When I, when I say him, I mean, do you really know the God that you showed up in this building to worship? Do you hear his voice? When we sang, I am led. If you, don't, if, you don't, if you don't know his voice, you can't be led. 
You'll be like every other person that is moved, that is tossed through and through by whatever it is that is being said around. You are led externally. But as a believer, you are led internally because the spirit of God dwells on your inside. That's why you're not pulled left, right, and center. Scripture reminds us, or scripture tells us in John 10, 27. says, my sheep, Jesus Christ speaking, say, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Means that if you hear his voice, you should follow, right? Because that's what happened. He spoke, they followed. And right now we know that we have God's word. That is God speaking to us. When you hear his voice, do you follow? Are you committed to allowing his word? Because following is one thing. Allowing his word transform you is another. And you can follow, but you're not transformed. You can show up every Sunday, but nothing is changing. Everything continues the same as usual. You just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And then when difficult situation comes, you don't even know what to do. It takes you off guard and you are lost. We don't even see you anymore because that one is, is beyond you. Praise God. He says, my sheep. So if you are here and you know you are a sheep, be confident that you hear his voice. You just don't know it. And the word of God is his voice. <laughs> it's him speaking to you. That is the primary. Praise God. And, and, and following Christ encompasses every, everything and everything. And, and, and if you hear his voice, the next thing is that it should transform you. So you should ask yourself this question. Is Jesus changing me? Is Jesus changing me? Do I look more and more like him? Yes, he's changing me, but, but am, I, am I making progress? Am I making progress? Am I making progress in my work with him? Am I making progress? My motives, my actions, my worldview, my priorities, are those things being changed because of my commitment to him? Because if I'm not committed to him, those things will stay the same. I will be saying I'm a Christian, but my life will be showing something different. Praise God. Are we listening? You don't want to answer or carry the title Christian, but you're part-time. And part-time is really... You're doing more time somewhere else. Most people that say they're doing part-time, something else takes their time. Part-time means that you can't count on that person because, and the devil doesn't do part-time. He does full-time. And when he wants you, he wants you full-time as well. So it means that in this world, we have several voices. And the devil knows how to make his voices echo. Echoes everywhere you turn. But it takes, and the, what I love about God is that he doesn't work from outside. He works within us. So it means that if you trust that which is within you, you will not lose track. You will not lose focus. You will not be distracted. But if he's not within you, <laughs> better panic. And if you're here, he's not within you. I want you to have a sense of concern. Somebody asked me, please don't worry about me. I said, I'm not worrying about you. Scripture tells us not to worry. I'm just concerned. 
And really, I'm concerned that we have several persons that will be here. And, and it can't stay. It shouldn't stay that way. Just before you... And you cannot, you cannot have a concern for others if you truly don't have a concern for yourself. If you're not transformed yourself, you can't transform the next... You can't transform others. Praise God. So it means that you have to value or make your transformation a priority. As I was saying earlier, the book encourages us in, I think the first part of the book, encourages us to not allow fear take root in our lives because once we allow fear take root in our lives, it affects our willingness or our commitment to do what. And what we should do is to trust God that if God says you should do these things, you should do this thing, he gives you what you need to do it. Because he says he's working in us to do what pleases him. So if he's working in you to do what pleases him, it means that you just partner with him. Be committed. Work hard at doing that which that pleases him. It's a partnership in that sense. And once, you, once we hear, as, as we said, we, will be, we can't not help but share what Christ has done for you to the next person. But if you're not sure what Christ has done for you, if you're not sure of that supernatural work that the Holy Spirit does, that is evident. And if you don't even have the evidence of that, it's harder for you to even trust that you're able to do anything. So commitment is actually not making excuses. As one of the, one of the lines from the book says, it's not about making excuses, but about obeying God's commandments. And the result of commitment will be in our willingness to share. The outworking of our commitment to God and to others will be that we want to see many other persons saved. And very quickly, I'm just reminded of, I think the last time I spoke, I was, we we're looking at how Jesus Christ took his time, speaking on the subject of prayer, took his time praying while his disciples had gone ahead. And his commitment to prayer, and, and this is very important, I think this, this, this blessed me, because some of us will feel like even in our commitment to God, we're not seeing any growth. And sometimes it's just that we have a very high expectation as, as to what we just, we just, we have high expectation, but we're not putting in the work. We're not putting in the work. And for some people, it might look like you're not, you're stagnant, you're not making progress. And for some of us, we really don't know what progress is because we feel that once you're not moving or once you're not seeing results, it means that you're not making progress. But for people that go to the gym or do any form of exercise, you, or treadmill, for example, you're just running in one place. It doesn't look like you're moving, but, but you're burning calories. And you don't want to mistake um, motion for movement or like you're covering distance. But in our work with God, you want to be doing something and you want to be doing things in the right direction. And you can't go wrong with God's word, God's people. You can go wrong with, with allowing his spirit lead you. And that's why this year, we want us to get to that point where we're conscious of the leading of God's spirit. If you are not conscious of the leading of God's spirit, you will take for granted that which you have. And Jesus Christ did something. I want us to, to 
to see what happened in Matthew 14. We'll just go there. Matthew 14, 23. Matthew 14, 23. Just to, to encourage someone. Matthew 14, 23. It says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Today, turn to your neighbor and say, Today is prayer Sunday. We, we prayed in church. But even when I get home, I will commit myself to praying as well. Prayers is not just going to be on Sunday. I don't want us to say this part so that we will not be forcing us to pray. Once you get into the habit of praying, you will make the progress that you will never have made just talking about the problem. Because nobody solves the problem by thinking about the problem. And most of us, we spend time thinking about our problems. We don't do something about our problems. And the way we find solutions to our problems is the place of prayer. And what Jesus Christ was doing here is that he took himself to pray. And now, when evening came, he was alone there. He was alone where he was praying, but the disciples were somewhere down. I think 32. Just go to 32. I should believe. Fourteen thirty-two. Okay, so thirty-two. It says, and when they got into the boat, oh, sorry, oh, no, that means I went too far up. Go back to go to where the storm started. That's which verse? Twenty-four. Thank you. Okay, so but. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wave was contrary. That's the, they were against, you know, once. <laughs> when, you, when you are going against the wind, it's like we are pushing you to do something and you are going against you're going to experience a drag. And the drag is not for your own good. But once someone is pushing you and you're flowing the direction, it's going to be a breeze. And then you make progress. Because you move further when you allow the wind to carry you. And, and, and the Spirit of God in scriptures referred to as the wind. You cannot walk against him and, exper and, ex and expect to make progress in your life. So, this wind was causing them, causing turbulence. And then go to 25. It says, now in the fourth watch, when we looked at Amplified, say it was around um, three to six, right? It said, the night came upon them and, and Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And I want you to understand that the time he left them and the time that he met with them, it's a long distance. But note that he prayed, but he was able to come to them when they needed him the most. And he was able to give them the solution they required even at sea. In 32, we see that 32, when they got into the boat, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. 
this is a word of encouragement to someone. Praying, spending time in praying and seeking the face of God gives you more than running ahead of yourself. Praise God. Running ahead of yourself wouldn't get you, will get you nowhere. It will get you in more confusion. But once you believe and trust God and allow God carry you, allow his spirit to be the one that leads you, praise God, you will find yourself in a situation where what you thought was a storm or what you thought was going to consume you will cease. Praise God. It will cease. And if you continue reading down, you discover that when they went into the town that they went into, a lot of miracles were rotted out because time was spent to pray. Time was spent to pray. Time was spent to pray. And if there's any encouragement to us, is that our commitment to God, our commitment to his word, our commitment to prayer, our commitment to fellowship with God's people will shift our walk. Because we, this is a new year. There's a lot that we don't know of. But when we are prepared in the place of prayer, because you, when you pray, you don't know what God is doing on your inside. I, this scripture blessed me so much when, I don't know whether I, I wrote it down. Did I? Yeah, I did. When we read it in, I think the scripture, I, I came across the scripture in Psalms 81, 80, um, 68 verses 1. He says, let God arise. He says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And, and if, you, if we're reading the canonical in Numbers 10 verses 35, when Mo Moses, was, Moses will shout, let God arise. And when I looked at the scripture, what jumped at me is, now when I say let God arise, I'm not expecting the ark. Our brother, when he was leading in worship, he's not rising by the ark. God is inside me. When he says, let God arise, he's rising from within me. Does that make sense? When you are experiencing a difficult situation or when things are hard, when you are trusting God to walk in the situation, you're not expecting, you are, you're trusting him to walk in the situation, but you have him to walk through you in the situation. You're not doing let God arise from... Trusting him means that you are wanting him to show up because God can arise, but you are still down. And it doesn't have to change for you to believe that he has risen. Because he has risen. Praise God. He has risen and your belief that he has risen will help you see the way of escape that he has made for you. Your arising is able to destroy the works of the enemy. Your arising is able to help you to see beyond the storm. Your arising is able to help you to stand the way he wants you to stand. Your arising is able to make you see him walking even when you cannot see it. Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel and share it with your friends and family. You never know who might need a word of encouragement.